Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. church. Our Bible reading for today is taken from the book of Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. At the end of this reading, I will say this is the word of the Lord. Please respond by saying thanks to God. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Eva, thank you very much for that reading. Welcome um, to City Church. If you are joining us for the first time or if you've not been with us for a long time, my name is Femi Oshumi. I'm the pastor here. And you've come at a crucial point where we are looking at a very, very important series. We're at the midway point of that series now. We're looking at intimacy with God. I cannot think of a series more uh, where we should ask for the presence of God more than this one. So can you join me as I say a short prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of eternal life. And we thank you for the gift of knowing you. But it's the knowing of you that we really want to get into now. And so we ask that you fill this place with your presence, O God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable uh, in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. To which we all say, Amen. Uh, You know, right now, the United States of America is going through uh, their political presidential season, and they're about to elect another president towards the end of the year. And so that, you know, started making me uh, remember some of the uh, periods uh, of yesteryears. In 1992, there was a town hall debate between um, the three leading candidates at the time. That was George H.W. Bush, who was the current president, was the sitting president. Then there was Bill Clinton, the Democratic nominee, and there was an independent called Ross Perot. Now, at some point in that debate, there was a young lady, a black lady, that asked them a question. She asked them a question about the effect of the national debt at the time on their lives and their suitability to be able to deal with that national debt in a way uh, that favorably affects the common man. George W. Bush was the first person to answer the question. So he got up. He sort of went not too far from her, but then he asked the question. He wanted clarification on the question. He seemed a bit uncomfortable with the question. He seemed very defensive. And so he was trying to answer it. Sometimes he would look at her, but the vast majority of the time, he wasn't looking at her. He sort of fumbled his way through and said a number of things that he was going to do. Um, then Bill Clinton stood up to ask the question, to answer the question. And immediately he stood up. He went directly, straight to the woman. He ensured that the distance between her and himself and the woman was at a barest minimum. And then he asked her, Have you, has it affected you? Has it affected some of the friends or people you know? You know, when I was a governor of a small town, usually when 
certain policies by the federal government have been taken and people lose their jobs, I know them. When people lose their businesses, I know them. And all the while he was doing this, he was looking directly at her. In fact, he spent 95% of his time looking at her. What was the difference? You see, George W. Bush, when he was answering the lady, he prioritized the audience. Bill Clinton's answer was not profound, but his posture was. He was directly looking at her. In that moment, Bill Clinton got a favorable response from the lady. You could see how he was. she was nodding her head. Why? Because in that moment, he built intimacy with her. And this is a very important principle we have to learn in building intimacy with God. Focusing by prioritizing the person in front of you helps you build intimacy. When we focus by prioritizing God, we will build intimacy with him. Now we're going to learn that from this very short story where Jesus visits um, a household of some friends of his, Martha and Mary. In fact, in John chapter 11, verses 1 and 5, we are told that along with their brother Lazarus, these were people that Jesus loved. Jesus loved them. And so it made sense that on his way in a journey with his disciples, as we see in verse 38, that he stops by in their house. Now, what happens this evening in their house is going to teach us a lot about how we can build intimacy with God. Because the truth is this. Even though it is true that many of us, God does love us and we in some measure love him, except we focus and prioritize God in our lives, we will not be able to see the kind of intimacy that we want or that we need. And so this the title of this sermon we have called Prioritizing God. And I'm praying, been praying before, and I'm praying now that what we learn from here will kickstart or will help you deepen your intimacy with God, that it's going to rejuvenate your spiritual walk with God. So let's go into this sermon we call Prioritizing with God by looking at it in three different sections. The first is prioritizing done well, Priori sorry, prioritizing done wrong, prioritizing done right, prioritizing gone well. Prioritizing done wrong, prioritizing done right, and prioritizing gone well. All right, so let's start. Um, when I grew up, I used to go to O and Benz, you know, those big parties. I like them, but I've sort of fallen out of love with them. The one thing I haven't fallen out of love with is small gatherings of parties, not more than 30 to 40 people in someone's house, you know. Um, those parties are nice. People are laughing, people are gisting, we are eating, we are drinking. Just having a good time is a little bit more intimate. Now, one of the things I can tell you, because not only do I like to have uh, to go, but I like to host them as well. You do need two kinds of people, right, especially as hosts. You need the host that has organized the games, the one that is talking to the people all around and just ensuring that everybody is having a good time, you know, goes around to each individual, just has small chat. And then you need the one that is neurotic, that is always on their, uh, on their feet, ensuring that the food, uh, the caterers came at the right time, set things up in the right place, ensured that the food was coming out at the right time. They are always busy. That's Martha. Martha here, Martha is the person that was very busy trying to make the arrangements after Jesus had just come. And you see, Martha's and Martha's work is very important and very valuable. But Martha is being critiqued here. Why? Because in Martha's case, 
the issue was not that the party wasn't important, but the guest, the main guest of this particular party was more important than the party. In fact, if we want to be able to describe Martha's problem, it was a threefold problem where you can put it this way. We can say that Martha was distracted, then Martha, was, then Martha deflected to show that Martha was disturbed. Martha was distracted, then Martha deflected to show that Martha was disturbed. Martha was distracted. Notice what he says. It says, verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Hmm. When we talk about distraction, it's always about refocusing, refocusing our eyes from somewhere to another place or from someone to another. So Jesus was here, but he says Martha was distracted by what? Preparations. She was focused more on the preparations than on Jesus. For Martha, the preparations had to be made. That's what he says. He says, by all the preparations that had to be made, there was a prioritization. That is, in Martha's eyes, at that point, the preparations needed her focus, even if Jesus had to be ignored. See, many of us are distracted too because of the things in our lives that we have said have to be done. We specialize in turning important and unimportant things to urgent things that cannot be ignored. And we say that if these things were not this urgent, then we would have time for God. We are distracted. Reminds me of a conversation I had recently with somebody in church. This person is a very, very, very busy person. Now, what had happened was a few weeks ago, let's say about a month and a half ago, I'd had a conversation with this same person, and this person was struggling. This person was struggling with their commitments to other things in their lives, including their commitment with God. In fact, the person had even struggled that recently uh, with uh, uh, that time with the last Sunday, the last online service. So the person didn't really have these things together. However, when you spoke with the person, the person was saying, what will I do? This thing is important. This thing important related to their work. I can't just leave them. Very recently, the person had um, an experience that could alter their, the shape of their lives. It could alter the course of their lives. And then the person then told me that, Pastor Femme, can you imagine that, in fact, some people, quote unquote, very important people, have sent me emails asking for this, asking for this. I just said, well, I can't come and go and kill myself. The person said that they had not even responded to those emails until four days after. And the person then said, I asked the person this point, the person agreed and said, and my business has not crumbled, and the world has not come to an end. In other words, at those times, the person would have said, these things have to be done. This is why I don't have time for God. But the truth is, the person was just simply distracted because the person had revalued or had set a new measure and a new standard of value for the things relative to God. It's the same thing that happens with our social media uh, platforms. Because, you know, the funny thing is a lot of the people that I find that are very busy, very busy with work, are also the people that are very busy with their social media. Even when they are not posting, they are always scrolling and checking. 
And if you want to know how to deal with that and the addictive nature of social media, you can check out our second sermon in the Re Re uh, Rewired series that has to do with Christianity and technology. But distractions are a big problem. They always involve redefinition of what is really important and urgent. Martha was so distracted. In fact, the French philosopher, 16th, uh, 17th century French philosopher, Blaise Pascal, puts it this way. He says, when I have occasionally set myself to consider the different distractions of men, I have discovered that all the unhappiness of men arises from the one single fact that they cannot stay quietly in their own chamber. Distractions always make us, make our minds and ourselves very, very busy. And we cannot have intimacy with God because we cannot stay quietly for once. All these things have to be done. You see, Martha's problem was the kind of problem a lot of us are going through when it comes to intimacy with God. The issue is not that Jesus is absent. The issue is because of wrong prioritizing, while Jesus is present, we are absent. Jesus shows up, but we are not there. Is that you? Because if that's you, it puts you in a certain condition like Martha does, like Martha was in, so that when you then think about Jesus or you approach Jesus, you do it wrongly. Martha deflected. Because Jesus didn't see things her own way, Martha began to question Jesus' character. She said, Lord, begin verse 40, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has let me has left me to do the work by myself? She questioned Jesus' character. Notice Martha said, by myself, her worldview was, was um, shaped by she being at the center. She saw the hardship she was experiencing in the moment, and because she was distracted by what had to be made, all of a sudden when she's looking at the whole condition, she's looking at it from herself at the center point. Don't get me wrong, some of us have gone through hardship or are going through hardship. Maybe it is the hardship, the legitimate hardship of the abuse you suffered as a child. Maybe it is the current hardship you are going through financially because you've lost a job or because your business has lost 80% of its income. Maybe it is a hardship you are going through because of your marriage at this point. Or maybe you have just been recently bereaved. Or maybe it's a combination of all of these things. These things are legitimate. But here's one thing I can tell you, that if you are not careful, especially when you've been distracted by God, uh, distracted away from God, what, if you are not careful, the hardships make you then look at your life with you at the center. And once you do that, the way you relate to God is by you questioning his character. And that will never get you into a place where you can be intimate with God. Because when that happens, not only do you question um, yeah, uh, 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 his character, you don't see where the problem lies. When the problem lies with you, you start to deflect to others. God, uh, Jesus, he said, tell her to help me. Because the problem here is you are not telling her and the problem is she is not seeing what to do. In other words, the problem is always going to be with other people. And this functional kind of relationship with God, where we are instructing God, where we expect God to do something, where God is present, but we have to tell him what to do. 
will never lead to an intimate relationship with God. You see, Jesus sees things differently from Martha. He sees things differently from Martha, and so he tells Martha what the problem was. It was her condition. She was disturbed. Jesus said, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Martha was in a disturbed condition. Jesus is not saying that some of the issues you are going through is not legitimate. He's saying because you are already distracted, because you had the wrong priorities, when you are then dealing with some of these legitimate issues, you have now put yourself in a condition where you are worried and upset about many things. And when you are in this disturbed position, you will have a bigger problem. What is that bigger problem? You will see me differently. You will be disturbed continuously. You see, this is why many people who are disturbed, despite the fact that God has blessed them over and over and over again, you will always be thinking about what God hasn't given you. People who are disturbed, they worry about what they don't have. People who are disturbed are quite often very cranky. They lose their temper easily. They misunderstand when you are trying to critique them in love. They become very defensive. People who are disturbed are no fun to be around. The truth is that a disturbed person is not in any mood to do what is needed to pursue an intimate relationship with God. Am I talking to you? Are you the one who God is present, God is golden at your door, and yet you are absent? Thankfully, if that is you, Jesus has a solution. And that takes us to the second point, prioritizing dawn rightly. Prioritizing dawn rightly. At this point, some of you are saying, that's me, Femi. That's me. You know why? Because distracted and disturbed is my middle name. But you see, you are not only condemning yourself just because of this diagnosis. It's because you feel helpless. And so because you feel helpless, you feel like God is not going to want you. I've messed up so many times. Can I quickly tell you, please, you are so wrong. Don't think like that. Why? Because it is Jesus that comes to Martha. He doesn't condemn, but he comes to help her. And as I bring the word of God to you, I want you to believe in your heart of hearts. No matter how far you think you are falling, Jesus is here to help you to build this intimate relationship. He is not here to condemn you. And I can tell you that because Jesus comes to Martha to say basically, and he's saying to you, you can be intimate with God. And he tells you this one is very simple. You know why? He said you only need one thing. You only need one thing. Indeed, only one thing he says in verse 42. Jesus is saying, you are worried about so many things. You are upset about many things. But your spiritual condition, the improvement of your spiritual condition requires just one thing. Mary, what is it? Well, look at Mary. Because Jesus said, Mary has chosen what is better. And what they say about Mary, she was, she sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. In other words, Mary focused Mary's what did Mary choose that was better her focused prioritization on him I don't want you to miss that her focused prioritization on him that is she re, she, she 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 got rid of the distractions and she prioritized rightly by choosing what was better she rearranged prioritization is 
an arrangement according to some kind of relative value and assessment of things. What do you value? I can say what I know what you value by looking at your bank account and looking at your schedule. I'll come back to that. But notice, it's not just saying, should you notice whether God is here or not? Jesus was there for Mary and Martha. Martha was relating to Jesus. Mary was relating to Jesus. It was how they related to Jesus that was the important thing. In other words, your reaction to God is how you will get the best out of him. Oh, listen, Martha was standing and instructing Jesus. Mary was sitting and being instructed by Jesus. Martha wanted Jesus focused on her. Mary focused only on Jesus. Martha wanted Jesus to listen to her. Mary was listening to Jesus. Martha wanted a Jesus, a God that was devoted to her, to, to her. But Mary was devoted to Jesus. What is your devotion to him like? Because it depends on how you are devoted to depending on how you are devoted to him is going to determine how intimate you can be with him. And it's an expression of your devotion to Christ. I want to speak about here in this second point to help us practically. How can we revolutionize our lifestyle in such a way where we are always intimate with God? Notice what I said, lifestyle. Now, the way you are going to change a lifestyle is by a combination of definite patterns that we can see in your life. But the way we come to patterns is by a combination or a consistency of moments. Did you get that? Moments lead to patterns, and then patterns lead to what? A lifestyle. Moments lead to patterns, and patterns lead to a lifestyle. So I want us to start at the point of moments. And I want to talk about an expression of our devotion to God where we actually go and meet with God individually and collectively. So what do we do? I'm going to give you a cycle, right? It's a cycle of how you do your personal devotions or when you are in church like now and the word of God is coming, how do you deal with it? The first thing I have to say in the middle of this cycle is you have to create time, set time. You have to create time, set time. I mentioned this in the very first uh, 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 sermon in this series, that we create time for what we value. And since we're talking about reprioritization, we're saying if God has to be placed first, if God is at the top of your list, then you have to set intentional time for him. We already have that with church. Never miss it. Never miss worship gathering in church. You shouldn't. Last week's sermon was talking about how intimacy with God is driven also by the communal gathering of the saints. So that is set time, a sacred time. Mary is sitting in front of Jesus. At that time, she's giving that time to him. She's devoting that time to him. But we also have to do that as individuals. And this affects the time that you go to bed. Don't tell me, ah, you don't understand. I just have to go to bed at 11 or 12 or, sorry, at, uh, at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Many times when we do that, what are we doing? We're not actually doing productive work. The last three hours of the day, maybe you get 15 minutes done, but you're going to YouTube, going here, doing this, chatting with people. No, if you want to start your day rightly, set the time rightly, then even if it's 15 or 20 minutes, go to bed early, but create the time. The same, some of us also, you miss church. Why do you miss church or you come late to church? It's because on Saturday you were up till 3 a.m. 
set the time. Now, when you set the sacred time, what we do with that time is also very vital. And this is where most of us trip up. It's not that we don't have it, but it's not giving life to us. And I've found in experience that it's not just what we do, but how we do it. And this is what this cycle is going to help you do. It's not just what we do, but how we do it. Now, let me quickly tell us what we do. Notice it says that Mary listened to what? She was listening to what he said. She was listening to what Jesus said. That is, the word of God is going to be central to what we do. A second thing is, immediately after this story, the end of this, this was the end of chapter 10. You go into chapter 11. It says that in verse 1, that Jesus went to pray. And after he, he finished praying, his disciples came to meet him and said, teach us to pray. Like John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. In other words, the word of God and prayer become the two big things that happen when you are doing your personal devotion and part of the things that happen when we gather together or when the word of God is being preached. The word of God and prayer and listen to the thing that ties them well. And this is the how we do what we do because many of you know that the word of God and prayer is important. But how we do it, what is the link that brings prayer and the word of God together to bring about an explosive and revolutionary impact in our life in bringing us intimate with God? What is it? Meditation. Meditation. So let's start with the cycle. In the cycle, first of all, you know you have the word of God, so read. Read it. And by reading, look, you say, I don't know where to start. Let me tell you, in this day of technology, you can do, see, download the U version Bible. I'm giving you a practical statement. Download the U version Bible. It is free of charge. And then in the U version Bible, there are devotions. Free devotions of good teachers. Get it good devotional. Some people do B-I-O-Y. Bible in one year, right? Use that one. Or get Tim Keller's um, devotional on the Psalms. Or start from the Psalms on your own. What, However you want to do it, there are tools to help you to read the Bible well. Now, but when you read, when you read, as you are reading, don't just rush through. Pause. You read something, pause. Then think. Read, think. Sit under the word. Don't don't sit on top of the word. You see, Martha's problem was Martha actually, Mary was sitting, Martha was standing. Martha, we know in John chapter 11, when her brother had died and Jesus Christ came, Martha knew doctrine. Oh, she knew doctrine. When Jesus came and said, ah, your brother will live again. She said, I know now, I know. I know that on the last day, on the day of the resurrection, he will rise again. She understood the doctrine, but she often stood when she was looking at the word, the word didn't penetrate her. She was the one trying to penetrate the word. She was asking questions of the word, not allowing the word to ask questions of her. Is this how you relate? When you go to the word of God, you ask yourself, as you think, why am I faltering? What is stopping me from doing this thing that I just read? What do I need to do to change? What do I need to change in my life to allow this thing to live in me? Don't just rush through. Sit under the word. Sit at Jesus' feet. Read, think. Then, as you read and you think, pray. Pray. And I want you to pray for two things. The first one is this. 
Now, let me, let me break it down. When I say meditation, I'm not talking about an Eastern form of meditation. And Eastern, in Eastern religions, right, Hinduism, Buddhism, and some of these new age things, what is meditation? Meditation is about discovering the God in you. That you are actually, because God is in all and all is in God. So there is a God, there is a force in you that you need to get in touch with. That is what Eastern meditation is all about. But what is Christian meditation? Christian meditation isn't about discovering the God inside you. Christian meditation is about changing you while you discover the God that is apart from you. I say it again. Christian meditation isn't about discovering the God that is inside of you. Christian meditation is about changing you while you get closer to the God that is apart from you. So you need the work of God in your life as you read his word. That is why then in Luke chapter 11, after he starts teaching them about the word of God, he first says, prioritize God, our father, your kingdom come. But at the end of it, after he's given them the model prayer, he then says, look, ask him. Knock on the door. When you ask and you knock, you will receive. And what should you ask for? At the last part in verse 13, he then says this. He says, look, if you then, who are evil, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? Ask for the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying for those of us who are Christians to receive the Holy Spirit again. I'm asking asking for the Holy Spirit's work in your life to be much more. As you encounter God's word, you need the life of the Spirit. So when you have you've you've read, you are thinking, you're asking the questions, you're asking for the Holy Spirit to come to illuminate the word, then you're now saying, Holy Spirit, I need you to help this thing be a reality in my life. Because when you ask him that and you are calling the Holy Spirit, you know what happened? you need to do after? Listen. Listen. When you've asked God, I need this thing to be more of reality in life, Holy Spirit, come. Listen. Don't just yeah, listen. What's he saying? As you ponder and as you listen and you are hearing, this is the issue in your life. This is the issue in your life because that it takes a, a while for us to get there. And that is what distractions do. They stop us from getting deep. That's why you have to get rid of them. So when you listen as he's talking to you, then what you are hearing, you pray back. He says, you need to do, stop doing this. You need to stop doing this. And then you're like, help me, help me. I believe, help my own belief. You would all of, all of a sudden, the world starts becoming alive in you. You start being energized. You start feeling the presence of God. And you know what you should do after that? Worship. Give glory to him. You know why? Because when you came into the word, it was a different mindset. All of a sudden, God has started to change you in that moment. And then you can start to worship him. It will be the best 20 minutes of your, of your entire day. If you continue that as moments and you change that into patterns, if you continue it as patterns in your life where it's a definitive thing, eventually it becomes a lifestyle. You see, in the Bible, there's a difference between being filled with the Spirit and being full of the Spirit. At times when they said somebody was filled with the Spirit, he did something momentarily. Somebody was filled with the Spirit, they prophesied. Somebody was filled with the Spirit, they spoke with boldness. But when in Acts chapter 6, they said they wanted to appoint new deacons, they said, 
As for people who are full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. In other words, they had had so many moments that have become patterns that become a lifestyle. Stephen was one of them. That is why when Stephen was speaking the word of God, he was expanding the scriptures. But when they were stoning him, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. It was a lifestyle that made him say that. Do you want this? To get this lifestyle, you need to get rid of the distractions and start cultivating devotion to God by prayerful meditation on his word. God is here and he's asking you to do this. Will you set the sacred time? Are you determined to do something differently? Right now, are you praying? Are you thinking? Are you praying? Somebody sent me a text. Last, uh, the, the last message I, I, I preached and the person said, I, I wasn't seeing the text, but then and then he said, I can't, I can't sit down. I can't stand. I'm just standing. I need to, I need, I'm just asking God. I've just been praying. That is how you relate. Are you praying now? Are you meditating? Are you determining things that you have to stop doing? Are you telling yourself this is what you need to do? Have you asked for the Holy Spirit? Have you asked for the Holy Spirit? Are you listening to what he's saying? Are you also asking him for help? This is how you grow closer. This is how you grow closer. This is how you grow closer. If you continue like this, I can tell you what your intimacy with God saw and what your lifestyle changed. That leads me to my third point, prioritizing gone well. Now, some of us who aren't Christians are saying, so it's all dependent on me then. I mean, I have so much to do. In fact, some of you who are Christians are saying, oh my God, you see the kind of, kind of Christianity I ran away from? Well, you, it, it still depends on me. It's all about works. I have so much to do. And I'm just, you see, that's why I'm tired of this intimacy thing. Because you tell me to do this one, do this one, do that one, do this one, do this one. And I don't trust myself. Like that non-Christian there, I don't trust myself for these things to be dependent on me, on my own efforts and my own power. So I, I think I'm not going to, I don't think, I think I'm going to give this thing a pass to which I'm saying, Jesus is not looking at you to do it. Have you not been listening? Have you not been reading the text? Though he requires stuff from you, what he requires from you is a response, not a contribution. I say response, contribution. What's the difference? Oh, what's the difference? If my staff members, right, decide to give me a gift and I like and receive it, that is it. I'm just giving them a hint in case they are listening and watching. All right. If they give me a gift and I like and receive it, I've responded. But when they go among themselves and they say it's 10,000 naira per person, another hint, 10,000 naira per person, you know what that is? That's a contribution. I respond to the gift, but I do not contribute to bringing about of that gift. God is asking you to respond, not to contribute. Look at the text again. Did Martha, did Martha go to Jesus' house or Jesus came to her own house? Well, let me ask you another question. When she was in a distracted situation, did Martha ask Jesus for a diagnosis or he freely gave it to her? One more, in her worried and upset condition, did Martha ask Jesus for the solution or he gave it to her? He came to her with it. It is always God that is coming to us. It is God that comes to tell you what your problem is. It is God who comes to tell you what the solution for intimacy with him is. It is God that comes to fill you with his presence and relate with you intimately. God is far more into you than you are into him. And he demonstrates this by coming to you over and over and over over again. Jesus says this in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. 
Here I am. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice or any woman hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I will come in. I will fill them with my presence. And guess what I will do? I will eat with that person and they with me. I will converse with them. I will dine with them. I will sit on the table with them. Jesus is asking you. He's here. But he's asking you for a response, not a contribution. He keeps coming to you. He keeps coming to you. And guess what he says? He says, if you choose like Mary does, if you choose like Mary does, oh, I love this. He said, it will not be taken away from you. Mary chose what is better and it will not be taken from her. Do you hear? He gives you a guarantee. If you make the choice to prioritize God and sit at his feet, he's saying that he will not take his presence from you. Is that what you want? Don't you want his presence? He said, I can give it to you and it will not be taken from you. If you respond rightly, you can secure this, he's saying. It can be secure. And some of us are saying, I'm a non-Christian. How do I establish, how do I secure and deepen a relationship that I have not yet established? You are wrong again. I, I hope you've been listening to me. But if you've not really been listening to me, let me say it one more time. You don't contribute, you respond. Therefore, you don't establish the relationship, he does. You don't secure the relationship, he does. The question is, how would you respond? Will you choose him? Will you choose what is better than is him? Will you choose him? He is the one that establishes and secures the relationship. You ask me how? It's in the text. Notice in verse 38, it says that he stops by Martha's home. Why? Because he and the disciples were on their way. On their way. They were on a journey. On their way to where? Well, if you go to Luke chapter 9, the previous chapter, verse 51, it tells you where he's on the way to. Jesus, he says, at the, at, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out, resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Where was he going? Jesus was going to heaven through Jerusalem. So why is that important? Well, it was to establish and secure this relationship. Let me explain to you. Jesus was going to heaven because it was from heaven that he came from in the first place. He came from heaven so that you will not embark on the impossible journey of going to heaven on your, by your own to establish a relationship with him. That will be you contributing. He is just asking for your response. Will you choose him? So why is he then going to Jerusalem? Well, Jesus went to Jerusalem to die, to pay for the ransom of your sin, the sin that keeps you distant away from God, so that you wouldn't have to pay eternally in, in hell for that sin and still not have a relationship with God. He's not asking for your contribution. He's asking for your response. Will you choose him? And then why is he going back to heaven? Well, or did he remain dead in Jerusalem? No, Jesus rose from the dead in Jerusalem and then he went to heaven so that he can be Lord of the world and so that he can start his kingdom by pouring out the Holy Spirit 
who then comes to establish, secure, and deepen that relationship with God so that it is not meant for you to do. Because if you had to do it, you will mess it up and it will be taken away from you. He is not asking for your contribution. He is asking for your response. Will you choose him? is a God that keeps coming to you. The issue about building intimacy with Him, it is He that wants to do it. The issue about establishing a relationship with Him is the one coming to you right now. He's not asking for your contribution. He's asking for your response. Will you choose what is better? Will you choose Him? Because if you do, it will not be taken away from you. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.